Hello, my Rebels. You know, here at Rebel News, we like to tell you the news. We like to give you our opinions. But one of our favorite things is to actually become activists and fix a problem. Uh, these days, it's civil liberties and the pandemic. And I look around and I say, where are the civil libertarians? Where is the Canadian Civil Liberties Association? Where's everyone else? Too often, it's just us. But today, I have the pleasure of an extended, in-depth interview with really Canada's leading civil libertarian really the only one, so he's obviously leading. I'm joking around, he's the best, his name is John Carpe, and uh, I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. Before I get out of the way, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, or 80 for the whole year. And uh, you get the video version of these podcasts, which is good, but it's also important because that money is what we pay our bills with, because we don't take any money from Trudeau. All right, here's my interview with John Carpe. Tonight, a feature interview with John Carpe, Canada's only real civil liberties lawyer. It's October 2nd, this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Do you know germophobia is a thing? We all used to sort of make fun of people who would wipe down every surface, and, you know, they were a little bit over the top. I mean, it's good to be clean and hygienic, cleanliness is next to godliness, but this whole pandemic panic has turned into a psychological disorder, according to a column by our next guest, John Carpe, the executive director of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Germophobia is actually a medical condition itself. John, great to see you. Welcome to our world headquarters here in Toronto. Good to see you, Ezra. I was reading your essay, and I didn't think about it this way. But we used to sort of make fun of or if it was a light case of germophobia. But that's actually a medical condition. And some people could be actually crazy about it. They would be afraid to go out of their homes. They would not use know, a public bathroom. Yeah. I wipe mean, down a chair before you sit on it. You remember uh, Niles Crane, the character on the Frasier series? Frasier was that popular sitcom with a talk show uh, psychiatrist, radio psychiatrist. Yeah. And so he had a younger brother, Niles, um, Niles Crane, who was always wiping everything down mm. and uh, always uh, didn't want to touch anybody, didn't want to shake hands. Mm. Uh, and it, it, under the DM, uh, the DM-5, it, it is a recognized psychiatric illness, germophobia. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to be somewhat afraid of germs. Our gag reflex, I think, is an instinctive reaction and rejection to things that are rotten. Don't eat that maggot-covered meat that makes you want to throw up. That's your body's way of saying, we've been practicing eating strange things for 100,000 years. Don't eat that. So it's good to be germophobic. It's good to wash hands. Washing hands and penicillin and antibiotics, those are great developments. But to be so terrified of the world that you're like the boy in the bubble, that is a mental condition. And I think it has been inflicted on millions of people who are genuinely afraid to leave their homes. I think that there are people, especially seniors who have been terrified by this, who will never leave their homes again. And I don't mean ever, ever. They'll go and get the groceries. They'll go and get the mail, maybe. 
but they're never going to go to a restaurant, a theater. Uh, they're never going to go to a family reunion. They'll never travel again, never go on a vacation. They're just going to sit in their homes until they die as a form of mass germophobia. It's very sad. The fear that we have been put into as, as a society with uh, the politicians basically running with the Neil Ferguson Imperial College predictions from March that millions of people around the world would die. And this Neil Ferguson, he has been spectacularly wrong on BSC, mad cow disease, uh, the, the bird flu. Every pandemic, every pandemic he is out by thousands of percentage points, and yet people were still listening yeah. to him. The irony is, I mean, I remember reading, his, uh, reading headlines about his study. Obviously, I didn't go deep into it. And I thought, oh, this is cause for concern. I myself propagated, I mean, Imperial College sounds very authoritative. It was a pack of lies. The thing about him is that not only did he produce the, the seminal propaganda document that everyone followed, but he, even he didn't believe it in his own life. He's the one who broke the lockdown rules and ran around town sleeping with his married mistress, breaking the rules. And I mention that um, only because, I mean, not that I think that's relevant to his science, but it's relevant to the fact that even he obviously doesn't believe what he's saying if he's arranging um, trysts, uh, you know, illicit trysts when we're all supposed to be in lockdown. He didn't believe it himself, but he loved seeing other people dance to his tunes. He also recanted in part, and this got very little publicity, but he did speak publicly before parliamentary committee a few weeks later, and he said his numbers were way out, and he also said uh, most of these people would have died anyway, making a reference to the fact that the, that the COVID is a deadly killer for people that are in their 80s, they're already very sick with, with uh, you know, cancer or emphysema or heart disease or diabetes or any number of things. And so Neil Ferguson had said, these people would have died anyway, and his numbers were out. But by then, the the, the panic train had left the station. Oh yeah, and, the, and people didn't want to hear him. And people retract. didn't want it, but but he did retract it. And mm -hmm. and uh, what's so sad now, though, is is I like I feel kind of conned and tricked because I didn't oppose these lockdowns in March. I thought, well, if there's millions of people are going to die, we mm -hmm. should take some decisive yeah. action. But now we're we're into October. We're six months, seven months past. We know, looking at government data, I'm not talking about you know getting data off of some right-wing conspiracy website or something. Mm -hmm. Government data, Ontario government, Alberta government, Italian government, Center for Disease Control in the US, government data tells us that this is not an unusually deadly killer. Mm -hmm. And the, the death numbers are closer to an annual flu than to a real pandemic like mm -hmm. the 1968, 1957, 1918. Yeah. I've seen stats now in the United Kingdom that more people are dying from the regular flu than from this virus. And look at this just for a second. These are statistics from the government of Ontario. This is their latest modeling. They just rolled this out days ago. You can see they have their best case scenario, middle case and worst case scenario. Already the facts are better than their best case scenario. So we see already that their modeling is still way, way, way off. As, and they're still proceeding with their crazy lockdowns. Oh, these models have been discredited entirely, and yet they continue to form the basis for public policy. In Alberta, uh, Premier Hinshaw and her lovely assistant Jason uh, <laughs> predicted back in April that we, there would be 32,000 deaths, even with lockdown measures in place. Mm -hmm. 32,000 Albertans would die. 
Do they know that in Alberta, there are 27,000 people that die every year mm -hmm. from all causes, you know, cancer, heart yeah. disease, everything. 20, it's 27,000 people die every year. Uh, COVID deaths are at 250 compared to 27,000. Yeah, and they, and they predicted 32,000 people would die. So it was more, they were, it was less than 1% of what they thought. I know that Justin Trudeau and Theresa Tam predicted up to 350,000 deaths. The number is about 9,200. 9,200. And the total annual deaths in Canada from all causes, right? Cancer, suicide, car accidents, everything. Total annual deaths in Canada is 275,000. Yeah. You know, I learned something from one of your uh, papers on Saskatchewan. You were quoting the public health officer. I didn't know there were so many public health officers in this country. Every province, every uh, um, city, every region, and these folks are making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. I, there's probably a hundred of them in Canada. And they all just repeat the talking points from the World Health Organization. I don't even know why we have a hundred of them. They're just sort of repeating what the, what the lead mouthpiece says. It's very strange to me. Um, he said in Saskatchewan that the virus doesn't discriminate. Yeah, Young, that's right. old, male, female, any race. But that's actually not true. As you indicated, I mean, I've, I've studied the numbers in various jurisdictions. The average age of death is between 83 and 86, depending which province you're at in this country, um, which is, by the way, older than life expectancy in Canada. And I'm not happy that anyone is dying at 83, 80, 45. But we have to look at reality. Well, and, but just don't say that this virus doesn't discriminate. The virus does discriminate, and that's useful information. That means you don't have to shut down summer camps for kids schools for kids, um, restaurants where waiters and waitresses are in their teens and tw 20s. Um, I, I want to throw something at you. I was, I've been puzzling over Quebec. Quebec has about 23, 24% of the population, but they have a majority of the cases and a huge majority of the deaths. Why is that? Do they not have good hospitals? The answer is most of them are in seniors' homes. Okay, but there's seniors' homes in Ontario. Now, it's true, 82% of the deaths have been in seniors' homes. So it's that, not, and that's across Canada. So it's not actually a disease that targets the elderly. It does not. It targets no. the elderly in seniors' homes. And Quebec, especially in the last year, has been the most pro-assisted dying, euthanasia, do not revive jurisdiction in Canada. They're obsessed with it. My theory, and I don't yet have the proof in hand other than what makes Quebec different than Ontario their obsession with do not revive euthanasia. And so my theory, not yet proven, but something I want to look into, is that this are, these are folks that kids or grandkids said, you know, Gramps, we're going to send you to the home and doctor, do not revive him. And the doctor says, okay, we won't. And the healthcare system, happy not to expend 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in the last month of life. So it is and the same thing in New York State with, uh, with Governor Cuomo. Mm. They thought, oh, you know what? We got people who are in their 80s, 90s, and 100s. They're not going to be around for much longer. I'm, I'm trying to get into the mind of a Cuomo or a Legault. And they're saying, well, and the, the kids don't want to spend money keeping them around. Just put them all in these seniors' homes and put them on the ice floe and sail them out to sea. That's a terrifying and terrible speculation but that is the law in Quebec more than anywhere else in Canada. It is a pro-assisted dying jurisdiction. There's no two ways about it. I think that that's what happened in Quebec.
Well, you know, whether whether that's intentional or unintentional, the one thing that's certain is that the cruelty that has been inflicted on people in nursing homes is astounding. Uh, the Justice Centre has commenced a court action in Ontario uh, for two women, uh, each of whom was not allowed to see their own mother. And this has been repeated across the country thousands, tens of thousands of times. People cannot go in to provide the love and attention and care and affection and just practical help with feeding and dressing and so on. The family members are prevented from uh, from taking care of the seniors because they depend, many of them, on their kids and grandkids coming in to, to help out and they've, they've closed it off. You know, and at the same time, but the, the staff are allowed in, yeah. right? But the family yeah. visitors are not. So that's the opposite case of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about cases where everyone's happy to let Granny go out on the ice. Well, you probably have both sides. Yeah, side. this is you, case, you have, you yeah. have loving family members, yeah. and you probably also have some uh, callous uh, people that maybe want their uh, relative to, to die as soon as possible. Yeah, you know, I was on the phone today with someone from the United Kingdom who works in seniors' homes and says that the chief worry for them is actually malnutrition and loneliness. Loneliness. You've got these people in their 80s who, I, I was surprised to hear malnutrition is a concern, but it is a fact that the deaths are so low now in Canada, even though the cases are high, that suicides are higher, opioid dr uh, uh, deaths. Child which suicide comes, rates yeah. are going up. And Horrible. I detected something in Toronto, we're following up on it. I used to go to the Toronto statistics page every day because it was actually very uh there's a lot of statistics there and and i started to notice that no one was in fact no one died in the entire month of september oh. i think until like like the very there was i think there was like one death of corona you're yeah, talking uh, about. Of, yeah okay yeah in the whole and i thought wow that's and i think there was only like two or three in august that's very, very, very low. But and that's the wave has come and gone. I mean, yeah. it peaked and the deaths peaked in, in March, April, May. Yeah, April, And they, April, they came April, down April, and then May, here's, June, July, August, they come down, 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 so down. So every day, I, I do a live stream every day. So every day I would go to the page and Justin, our producer, would call up that stat and we would say, okay, there was zero deaths today or two deaths or whatever. And we would go to the stats and we would pull out, we would ignore the stats that are there just to wow you. This many people yeah, had cases. Yeah, cases. Yeah, and then suddenly we went to that website and it was gone. Well, the, the website's still there, but those easy to find stats of when people died and how often they, that was just gone. And now you can get the raw data, but it's not in chart form and you have to be a whiz at data manipulation. This is news I haven't mentioned before. So we put in an access to information request to the city saying, how come you've changed? Like this website was the same for six city months. City or the province? City, Tro city. city of Toronto. Okay. This website was the same for six months. Why didn't you suddenly change it to make it hard to understand? Mm -hmm. Like for six months it worked just fine. And they wrote back and said, um, instead of giving you an access to information that shows the, can we just give you an explanation? And it's, um, oh, we think there was too much clutter there. And, and we wrote back and said, no, actually, we, we don't want your explanation. Can you give us the background documents that shows what you really... And they're fighting with us. And now they're saying, oh, because of the pandemic, we can't show you the emails. I think, and again, I'm sounding like a bit of a conspiracy theorist here, but why is it that after six months, they changed how they show the data, and when we ask for the documents, which is our right under the access to information law, they say, oh, no, 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 you don't want to see it. Can we just give you a verbal explanation? Oh, you really insist on seeing it? We're too busy because of the virus. I think 
that the Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is, they actually don't want people to see that we're pretty much in the clear and that we don't need to panic. And bringing in all these mask bylaws in August and September was about six months too late. And, and a, shut, a shutdown in Quebec in October. Oh, these, yeah. these devastated, crippled restaurants and bars and pubs and other places. And now, uh, for effective October 1st, the lockdowns are back in Greater Montreal. And it's oh. some of these businesses that are on the verge oh. of death. And Montreal used utterly to have such destroyed. a wonderful restaurant scene. I, I, I just read uh, the story yesterday in Montreal. Not a single outbreak was traced to the restaurant industry. So why are you shutting down the restaurant industry? Not a single outbreak. Why are you punishing them? And there are no deaths. So I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I, I can tell you whatever's going on is very, very bad because the lockdown harms are, uh, they're, they're killing people, uh, even worse in the third world, but, but bad enough in Canada. We've got canceled surgeries, people not getting their cancer diagnosis, uh, people driven into unemployment and poverty and despair and suicide. Uh, we've got opioid deaths, twice as many people in Alberta and British Columbia for sure, and probably in other provinces, twice as many people dying from opioid overdoses than from coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And those numbers are way up over last year. Why is that? Well, despair, yeah. you get, you get uh, unemployment and you destroy and livelihoods. In, and then add in quick cash from Justin Trudeau. And quick cash and unemployment. So the, the whole thing is, the, the, these policies are causing way more damage uh, as, comp as compared to any lives that may have been saved, and I, I have yet to see the evidence on that. You know, there's 50 states in the United States, and each one of them has a lot of authority over their own affairs. You can see disastrous decisions done in New York State. And you have more diversity than Canadian provinces because yeah. you can go from New York and California, very severe lockdowns, yeah. very high death to rates. South Dakota, where to they never locked down. And Florida, that just announced not only are they removing any lockdown, but the governor of Florida is passing a, a law superseding any towns and saying you may not have a mask by law. Good. So not only is saying I'm not putting anything on you, but I am removing the power of towns. So you see 50 different com competitive approaches to it. And in Canada, theoretically, you could have 10 provinces and three territories, but I think they're walking in lockstep. They're all terrified. I don't see any opposition. In the States, this, there's sort of a bifurcation, Republicans and Democrats. In Canada, I can't name a single... Elected representative. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, Jason Kenney, and I, I accept the fact that you're challenging his... You know, as Bill Tenney is a dangerous authoritarian. What I would say to you is every other jurisdiction is worse. Um, but I see no courage to dissent from this pandemic panic. I think it's just like I said. Every well, we saw an inkling of it. I, I, was, I was thrilled and surprised. Jason Kenney, uh, a few weeks ago, I think it was in, uh, it, it could have been August or September, he actually s said publicly that the lockdowns are doing a lot of harms and we have to take that into account. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact words, but it was like, wow. Okay, so good. like I said, Jason Kenney is... Yeah, but is he gonna follow through on that? We're still under lockdown in Alberta, um, maybe not as badly as in Ontario and Quebec, but you know, the, the, the kids are forced to wear masks mm -hmm. in school, which is uh, perpetuates fear and you know perpetuates this false notion that that COVID is an unusually deadly killer yeah. and is based on the false notion that uh, children are at risk when they're not. 
so it's you know symbols are important, and and to force kids to wear masks is oh, it's gonna the symbol, we're gonna symbolism. Have, we're going to have twenty years of uh, psychological uh, problems from this, especially kids in that awkward age, teenagers, and even kids learning how to socialize. I mean, communication with a mask. It's not. It's, it's not the it's, same. It's, it's it's crazy. Well, let me ask you this. You I mean we've talked about the pandemic, um, epidemiologically and politically and jurisdictionally. But you are a lawyer and you are the boss of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, which is, in my view, really the only true civil liberties public interest law firm in Canada. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association has been... They're good on free speech, but yeah. You you know what? They haven't done much at all on this lockdown. I'm a donor to them. They called me up thinking they could liberate more money from me. They want, all they wanted to talk about is Black Lives Matter. Mm. I said to them, I, can, I can't believe I said this, John. I said to the fundraiser, <laughs> he just wouldn't stop talking about Black Lives Matter. So we're in the middle of a pandemic lockdown. I said, all right, let's make a deal. You, there's, this, there's this street, Eglinton West, where there's about a dozen Jamaican barbershops in two blocks. It's amazing. They were all locked down. I said, I'll give you $5,000 donation if you take the case of one of these black barbers. You want it, if you're obsessed with Black Lives Matter, okay, let's... Champion of black Make sure that black people can earn a living and well, not yeah. live in poverty. They wouldn't take the know. case. No. I, mean, I, said, I mean, not that they not that they would follow them, but they were trying to get money from me. I said, I'll give you five large if you do that. I think they're asleep at the switch. Um, I don't understand it. Left wing, right wing. Everyone's in this. Uh, so much of the media is compliant. The police are compliant. Um I don't know where the, the center of opposition is, but I know you guys are really digging in on it. Are you suing to challenge any provision somewhere in Canada? Well, we've taken on a few uh, ticket cases, similar to the ones that, that the rebel has been you know, very generously and helpfully uh, helping to raise money. And so we've taken on some, some ticket cases. We've sued the Kenny government in Alberta over Bill 10, which gives the cabinet ministers the power to write laws on the fly, without any legislative input. That's one of the worst parts of this whole pandemic is there's just no oversight, let alone opposition. What we're gearing up for, uh, we are working on a large paper that's going to document the lockdown harms Mm -hmm. uh, in every province, different kinds of harms and number of deaths and so on. Uh, We're gearing up for a situation where we will be in a place to have a strong foundation for a court action. Because as you know, you don't want to just invent right. a court action right. and walk into court the next day, right? right? You want to have right. all your ducks lined up. Right. So the lockdown under the charter, because these measures very clearly violate our charter freedoms to move, travel, associate, assemble, mm-hmm. worship. Yeah. Because they violate charter freedoms, the onus is on the government to show There's that the lockdowns, proportional, yeah, proportionality. So more good than harm. The government must show yeah. that there's more good yeah. coming from lockdown measures right. than harm. Yeah, they can't. They can't show that now. Well, it's, this is where. But and you know what, what's infuriating is they're supposed to at least study it yeah. objectively. They're not even. They, you know, and I've there's seen, not a single government in Canada that I'm aware of that has said, you know, yeah, we're actually going to take a hard look at all of the lockdown harms. Yeah. And they have the resources, yeah. the manpower yeah. to do that. Yeah, the two things on that. I, if I recall, the city of Edmonton uh, brought in a mask ball. They didn't even pretend there was medical science. They said, oh, it's... The, makes people feel good. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's popular. It's popular. That's, that's not... Makes uh, people feel safe. It's just like, um, you know, in 20 years, 
the TSA agents at the airport have never caught a terrorist, but it's security theater. This yes. is public health theater. Theater. Public health theater. You know, you talk about all the resources in the government. Not a single government worker in this entire country has lost their job. They've lost their work. A lot of them are working from home, getting full pay. Layoffs have been pretty. There have been some municipal level layoffs well, here and there, but good. But by and large, you know, my, and I'm, yeah. not that I would wish anyone out of a job, but the ruling class that's bringing in the lockdowns is by and large immune. Yes. If judges, MPs, senators, police, the enforcers of this lockdown, bylaw officers, um, if they faced layoffs, like working people, this is a class thing. Yes. And I'm not a Marxist. I'm just saying, isn't it funny? It's public the, sector. The, the public sector and their courtiers, the media party, everyone who's loving. You, you, pu- there's a lot, big difference between a medical doctor that treats a patient and a public health doctor that regards patients as ants in an ant colony. So you say you're putting together a documented, factual basis of how there's more harm than good from these lockdowns. I hope that's the... The, um, and that's going to be the, the basis for a court action. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we're going to force the government to actually have to justify itself in court. Right now, they're just coasting along saying, yeah. you know, oh, as we're relaxed, we've saved thousands of lives. Yeah. You should be grateful for what yeah. we've done. And there's no evidence they've yeah. saved thousands of lives. Well, I tell you, we will support you journalistically. There may be a way that we can support legally, uh, crowdfunding, whatever. Um, someone's got to do it. And here's the thing. I did my show the other day about this. I looked to the United Kingdom. I looked to Australia. I looked to New Zealand. I looked to other jurisdictions that are similar to us. We are very similar to Australia and New Zealand. And I see indefinite detentions of people, yeah. not who have the cough, but who just don't want to be tested. I, I see that's come to Quebec now. You don't want to be tested. You're locked up till you do. No judge. No appeal. Just unlimited and yet, if you, were, if you were running a child prostitution ring in your basement, they'd have to go get a warrant from a judge before, you know, you'd have all these, oh, you'd have all these Montreal uh, has rolled out defenses. this new mobile arrest. Like they've got, they're trying out all sorts of new things. I'm telling you that we are a paper thin step away, legally, politically, police wise, from what I see in Australia, New Zealand, UK. There's no cultural difference. There's no legal, very little legal difference between us and those other jurisdictions. If we don't have some counterweight, Justin Trudeau is dumber than other world leaders, but he is just as authoritarian. And I think the time will come when he says, ah, not only will I exercise power for its own sake, but I'll take this opportunity to whack my opponents. To, uh, you see it in Quebec City. They're trying to censor Choix FM, a skeptical radio station. All the government agencies are pulling their ad money and denouncing it because they're a public health danger. They're, they're using the public health excuse to shut down a radio station in Quebec. That's got to be 10 seconds away in English Canada, and I, I'm worried about that. John, it's great to catch up with you. JCCF.ca Correct. is the website. Yes. You issue charitable tax receipts, too, we so do. that's a bonus. In the past, we've done some crowdfunding for you. I really enjoyed doing that. If there's things we can help you out with in the future, let us know. But otherwise, folks, I encourage you to support John. I've said this before. You've heard me say this before. John is a true civil liberties champion in a country that lacks those. Uh, On free speech, obviously, you're very strong on that. But during the pandemic, there's cowardice uh, on all the traditional civil libertarians. And you've been generous in your praise for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. I do not share your view. And I'm a a member and a donor of theirs. I think they've been hitting that snooze button. They're a drowsy lifeguard when there's people uh, drowning out there. 
John, keep up the fight and keep us posted. We're not through this by any stretch. Oh no, oh no. This is the this permanent. is a permanent. This is the new normal. This is the new normal, and we're we're not accepting the new normal. We're going to yeah. fight it. Yeah. All right. There you have it. John Carpe, one of the good guys. Pleasure to sit down with him and talk about this at length. We'll keep in touch with him and his staff lawyers in the months ahead. That's our show for today. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.